Well, hello there. It is the day after Christmas, and today we're going to be talking about Gremlins 2, the new batch. I hope you had a decent Christmas or a holly jolly Christmas, as the technical term sometimes goes. And, you know, um, I hope Santa gave you presents. I hope he put cookies and milk in your house, because, you know, the, the way the world has been so naughty this year just like so many other years i think we actually need a break from the naughtiness of some other people out there you know what i'm saying um i could i could get into further details but all you have to do is just look at some news headlines and you'll get a pretty good idea but anyway we're going to be talking about you know the uh american comedy horror film gremlins 2 the new batch Directed by Joe Dante and produced by Michael Finnell, we're going to examine the horror, comedy, and satire to some degree and its self-referential and comedic approach, the unique characters that populate the chaotic world of the gremlins should be a captivating topic or something like that anyway. So anyway, Gremlins to the New Batch, like I said, it came out in 1990 and uh, was spawned by Joe Dante, who did the original Gremlins film, which is, you know, a, a great movie. And yes, it is a Christmas movie, but that's technically not why I'm reviewing it today, because I'm a little late for that. It's the day after Christmas. So in a way, that's sort of what this film has as an attitude. It's like we're moving on a little bit past the Christmas thing, we're just going to focus on the gremlins themselves and the zaniness that they entail, the mischief, the uh, occasional deaths, but what, what the hell, you know, that's the nature of horror, such as the nature of life. And the gremlins, in many ways, do represent the chaos and occasional bouts of violence that life will throw in our direction. You know, of course... Being a sequel, it didn't always match up to uh, people's expectations based on the original 1984 film. So there are many people who see this movie as like a, a little bit too comedic. It's certainly not, in my mind, as scary as the first one. Not that the first one was particularly scary. I'm just saying it doesn't have as dark of a tone. And, you know, in the world of horror, that's something a lot of movies get accused of as they have sequels because they usually end up going in a more comedic direction. That's something that's happened with Freddy Krueger and, of course, even the, uh, even to some degree, the Silence of the Lambs franchise or the Hannibal Lecter franchise experienced that too. Like, even, even they had a few more, I don't know, oddball moments in their movies as as the sequels commenced um but you know th this movie it, it has a, a little bit of the uh problem that sequels have you know they they will be inevitably compared to the impressions and the emotional impact of their predecessors so for example you know like ghostbusters 2 is another movie that I think a lot of people surprisingly didn't like it much at all. 
from what I understand, even though I, I never had a problem with Ghostbusters 2. In fact, one of the reasons I like that movie, oddly enough, is the song On Our Own by Bobby Brown. I really like that song. You know, it's 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 something that really uh, helps me appreciate that movie. And this movie has, you know, some of those kind of sort of random oddball elements. Um, not that On Our Own by Bobby Brown is oddball, but, you know, it's it's just something unexpected that might improve the movie uh, for a person. So, you know, like, um, there's a scene in this movie where they're, is music by the band Slayer, and it's intended to show how dark and scary one of the gremlins is. And it it really does help create a different mood in the movie. It, it doesn't really make it scarier for me, but it's it's definitely something that makes it memorable. You know, even if you're not a big Slayer fan, you can still get the reference that it's like, Ooh, this this is like a heavy metal gremlin at this point or something like that. So th there are these little touches that sort of augment how you might view the gremlins throughout the movie. So if, as mentioned, it's a mix of horror, comedy, and satire. Very self-referential. It's got a sort of a constant comedic approach that's... Uh, something that kind of separates it from its predecessor. Although, you know, it's, it's really a matter of degree and perception because the, the first Gremlins movie, it has a lot of humor as well. It's just not as much on the nose. And I, I think one of the reasons for this might be that, you know, Michael Finnell was involved in the film Airplane. So he, he probably was very much familiar with the sort of rapid, almost constant jokes approach to filmmaking. So I think he might have had some influence on the, the way Gremlins 2 took shape. So, of course, as far as the story goes, the, the story picks up several years after the events of the first film and centers around Gizmo, the cute and free Mogwai, who ends up in a high-tech skyscraper in New York City. And why not, you know? Kevin McAllister from Home Alone, he also wound up in New York. And, uh, you know, that's just one of the things that sequels do. I'm surprised that the, the you know, Gremlins never ended up in, in the hood like the Leprechaun did. Or in outer space, you know, I mean, it, almost all of these characters end up in space. Even goddamn Pinhead from the Hellraiser franchise was in space. So was the Leprechaun, so was Jason. Uh, well, I guess Michael Myers never ended up there, but, you know, there's there's always time to uh, create that weird curveball story element for the Halloween franchise. But, of course, you know, because it's a Gremlins movie, chaos ensues when Gizmo is exposed to water and he spawns more mischievous mogwai, leading to the creation of a new batch of destructive Gremlins. And the film stars Zach Galligan reprising his role as Billy Peltzer and Phoebe Cates as Kate Berenger. You know, she's one of the uh, memorable characters from the original film. There's also a great moment where they parody her horrifying childhood memory story in this movie. And you're going to want to keep your eyes and years ready for that moment. It's actually one of the funniest little moments in the film, but it's it's quick, 
And you know, I can't guarantee that you'll be like laughing uproariously at the moment, but it's 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 one of those witty moments, you know. The cast also includes John Glover, Robert Prosky as Grandpa Fred, who looks like Grandpa Munster, and you might also know Robert Prosky as one of the uh, uh, the characters in The Great Outdoors with John Candy and Dan Aykroyd. There's also Christopher Lee, and, you know, he really adds something to the movie. There's a redheaded woman named Haviland Morris who's, you know, trying to seduce Billy. And then there's Dick Miller from the first one, as well as um, his wife, whose name I can't uh, remember offhand. I should have wrote it down, but I, I don't remember the actress's name or the actor's name, whatever term you prefer. Some people are like, are like, you know, they're just call them actors. Others are like, no, we should call them actresses. Oh, there's also Tony Randall as the voice of the sophisticated brain gremlin. And Howie Mandel does the voice of Gizmo. You also have uh, Key Luke as Mr. Wing, the Chinese shop owner who originally had Gizmo. And he makes a pretty brief appearance in this film. And, you know, you also have uh, a bunch of other cameos and uh, interesting appearances. There's Kathleen Freeman, who plays a character named Microwave Marge, who hosts a cooking show. So it's a reasonably funny segment or, or, you know, an annoying segment, depending on your point of view. I know some people they will just find the humor too over the top. But when it comes to uh, Kathleen Freeman, if you look at her page over on IMDb, she's one of those actors who was in just lots and lots of stuff. It's kind of crazy how many things she was in. So many different old TV shows and movies and, of course, this movie. And it's it's really hard to even, like, sum up a career like that. And this movie incorporates a variety of gremlin mutations, too. And that's largely courtesy of the Doctor character, played by Christopher Lee. And, you know, the gremlins have their own unique personality and abilities, making it a more elaborate and fantastical experience than the first film. You know, you've got, you've got a gremlin that's just like a spider creature, one that can fly like a bat. You've got one that's like made out of vegetables for some reason. You got a couple goofball type gremlins. And you have like a, a seductress female gremlin. I just said gremlin. I, I added a D to it randomly. But uh, you got a seductress female gremlin. And uh, let's see. I haven't even mentioned most of them probably. One of the ones that you're going to remember most is the spidery gremlin. And, you know, this movie is pretty fast-paced as well. It, it has plenty of blink-and-you'll-miss-it moments. So you might not even notice all of the different genres of Gremlins in this movie, frankly. One, me one memorable aspect of Gremlins 2 is the uh, Leonard Malton movie critic gratuitous cameo, where he, you know, uh, basically gets savaged by Gremlins after... You know, he savages the gremlins. And uh, there's another moment, too, where they parody themselves because somebody in 
the studio of the office building is, you know, making fun of the plot holes in Gremlins, like, you know, uh, feeding them after midnight or stuff like that. Like, what happens if if there's a different time zone? Isn't it midnight? Isn't it midnight somewhere everywhere? You know, like, how do you how do you decide that? Like, how do you safeguard against like if you're in a plane and you're so I mean that the that's just dealt with by the gremlins just dispatching that guy. They're just like, you know, shut up, stop trying to, you know, uh, mock our universe. We're we're here to create chaos. We're not here to make sense. You know, that's sort of how the gremlins approach this particular film. They're very playful yet destructive. And, um, you know, like I said, it's a playful and satirical take on the previous story in many ways. They break the fourth wall and make references to the film industry and popular culture. It's It's a movie that doesn't have a lot of edgy moments necessarily, but it, it, it is satirical and, and funny. So it's not like, it's not like a particularly brutal type of satire. It's not like the blackest, bleakest humor, but it's, it's got something there if you're looking for it, if you're into that kind of stuff. The movie is known for its comedic elements. You know, you've got the clamp center, which is a running gag throughout the movie. It's supposed to be the largest smart building in North America. So basically this this clamp character, he's he's a little bit like an, an Elon Musk or Bill Gates type of guy, you know? Although um, unlike, unlike some of those characters, he seems like he could be a good guy more than a bad guy, you know? The As far as the setting goes, it parodies corporate culture and the excesses of the 19... 19- 80s and well presumably the 1990s as well while gremlins to the new batch was not as commercially successful as the first film it gained a cult following over the years for its irreverent humor and imaginative approach to the horror comedy genre it also kind of reminds me a little bit of the movie the stuff i don't know if you've ever seen that but there's a little bit of commercial parody going on in that. So you you might want to, you know, take a look at both of those movies at some point, maybe not necessarily back to back, but there's room for some comparison and contrast. Um, The film remains a unique and entertaining entry in the world of creature features. You know, it's, it's also a bit of a, a, a bit of an apocalyptic film too, just like the first one was, Sort of, there's the idea that maybe these creatures could take over the world and and all that fun stuff. So in, in this film, of course, the creatures terrorize the city of New York with Gizmo toughening up like John Rambo. And you've, you've even got a few other macho type moments too, like Hulk Hogan appears as himself. And, uh, you know, there's... Uh, there's also the spider, you know, like it's supposed the spider gremlin is supposed to be like kind of a badass. <clears throat> and speaking of badasses or tough guys or whatever you want to call them, 
This movie also has both Dean Morris and Raymond Cruz from Breaking Bad making an appearance. So that so that's pretty cool. You know, you got two Breaking Bad actors. Of course, Dean Norris plays, you know, the relative of Hank, or <laughs> the relative named Hank to Walter White. Then you have Raymond Cruz, who played Tuco. And, uh, you know, interestingly enough, there's another Breaking Bad connection to the Gremlins universe because Jonathan Banks from Breaking Bad appears in the original Gremlins. So that's a little bit of movie trivia that you might not have known. And these are not main characters necessarily, but, you know, it's a it's a cute little factoid for you to keep in mind. And uh, as far as other actors who appear in this uh, fine little creature feature, you have Dan and Don Stanton, the redheaded twins who play a cop who gets uh, mimicked and killed by the liquid metal Terminator in Terminator 2. Well, they don't play that character here, but they play two scientists. But if you want to see them in another movie, well, check out Terminator 2, Judgment Day. And there's also Getty Watanabe as a photographer. You know, he's a, like a, a t- tourist type character. Then you have John Aston as a janitor. So there's both a Monsters and Adams Family um, sort of connection to this movie with um, that, that one guy playing the, uh, the Grandpa Munster-looking character. And, you know, they've got some Bugs Bunny kind of stuff going on, too, with the Warner Brothers uh, connection. Uh, though the film was well-received by some critics... You know, it's it's not like everyone loved it, but it has achieved a cult following. You know, there's a lot of live-action, cartoon-like energy going on here. And there's a third Gremlins film in the works, too, in case you didn't know that. And um, I think the details right now are pretty scarce on what that's going to be about exactly. But if, if I was going to come up with a title, I might call it Gremlins 3 The New Bitch. You know, I'm just kidding about that. But that's what I would call it, and I would make it about Greta the Gremlin, you know. I would have her come back and and have her be, like, sassy and uh, just a force of destruction. And as far as, like, actual uh, story elements for the upcoming movie, I guess there was a 2017 interview with Chris Columbus, who discussed his twisted and dark script that explores the idea um, that if, quote, if all the gremlins come from getting Gizmo wet and feeding his Mogwai offspring after midnight, should Gizmo be eliminated? Hmm. You know, I, I, I don't know exactly what that means. It's a little bit cryptic, but who knows? Who knows? I'm not sure. So, um, and, uh, in 2015, Zach Galligan confirmed that the third film will be a sequel and not a reboot. And, uh, you know, I I could come up with a bit of a story element of my own here, uh, just, just for the fun of it. 
You know, maybe a gigantic pile of plutonium is stolen from an unstable government facility, and they use it to create a new breed of gremlin. You can call it the Mogzilla or something like that, you know. Maybe the gremlins could face off against some extraterrestrial creatures to enhance the sci-fi elements even more. Maybe the gremlins could take over the operations of a gang of drug dealers, stealing their drugs and fomenting more chaos than even the drugs themselves can provide. They could bring back Dean Norris and Raymond Cruz for that idea. Yeah, how about that? So, um, yeah, of course, uh, that's just one possible angle. Well, I, I don't know. I think I've run out of ideas for things to talk about. But, you know, Gremlins 2 is just a fun movie. At this point, uh, you know, if you haven't seen it, go ahead and check check it out. I would recommend it with a certain level of suspension of disbelief. And, you know, there are going to be plot holes aplenty, so get ready for those. And just have fun, you know, shut off your brain. It's not a, it's not a serious movie. It's all just entertainment. So, all right, have a wonderful day. And may a gremlin not disembowel you.